Jesus stood among them and said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. I'm Kara Cardell. And I'm Fred Schellebarger. And you're listening to My Lord and My God, Encountering Christ in the Eucharist. The miracle of the multiplication of loaves and fish. Fishes? You mean fish? the miracle of sharing, right, Kara? I don't, not yet. <laughs> Is it fish or fishes? What's plural of fish? Uh, fish. Is it just fish? It is fish, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the miracle of the multiplication of loaves and fish. I think that applies to like Swedish fish as well. The candy? Yes, yep. Okay. <laughs> or dead fishes as uh, Zoe calls them for some reason. That's what she calls Swedish She calls fish? Swedish fish. Okay. Dead fish. Well, welcome to our really off topic episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, call this this miracle is otherwise known as the feeding of the 5,000, mm-hmm. if you look at the heading in, in the Bible. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about, the miracle. Uh, this is the only miracle that is in every single one of the Gospels, apart from obviously the resurrection, because that's also in right. all of the Gospels. Yes. But I feel like that like notes importance. Mm-hmm. That makes this miracle very significant. And as I was kind of preparing for this episode, I was reading like articles on feeding 5,000 and some of them were Protestant. And a lot of those were focusing on like Jesus's compassion. Mm -hmm. Like in this miracle, Jesus is so moved with compassion on humanity that like he feeds them. (laughs) And I think that like to some degree that's true. true. It is true. That's the incarnation. Yes. Yes. Like, however... Is he not compassionate in like every miracle? Right. Right? Like the hemorrhaging woman, he sees like moved yes, with compassion. You see that a lot. You do see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like the paralytic, the leper, all of these people, he why would he heal them if he right. had no compassion for them? Because he wants his alone time and quiet time often, kind of like you. I relate to that a lot. <laughs> and and uh, he's unable to get it pretty regularly because of being moved by compassion. Yeah. This is kind of off topic, but for anybody who watches The Chosen, I actually really like that. There's an episode of Jesus, I think it's in season two, and he is like spending his whole day basically healing people. Like they're like lining up almost and he's just healing people. Mm -hmm. And you see him. It's like this beautiful moment. You see him at the end of the episode where while he is healing, his apostles are all like bickering um, back at camp with each other. And then he comes back to camp. They all just stop and stare at him like he looks so tired. Mm -hmm. And then Mary goes over and she washes his feet. It's a beautiful episode. Oh, wow. But like, that's the reality. I haven't got to that one yet. It's Oh, you will love it. You will Mm. love it. But that's the reality. Like he does, he does need some alone time. He's a human Mm. as well as divine. Um, but he is so moved with compassion over and over in the miracles. And so as I was reading that, it's like, yeah, but then why isn't every single miracle in every single gospel? Like there's something different Mm -hmm. about this one. It's not just about the compassion. Right. But I think when you read it, not believing in the Eucharist and the real presence as some of the, the authors of these other articles do, like you can't always see the deeper meaning Mm -hmm. of this miracle. Right. So that's really what we get to talk about today yeah. in talking about the feeding of the 5,000. Um, so yeah, this miracle is in all four of the gospels, but like the first three, if people aren't familiar with scripture, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. So like a lot of the accounts in those, they're in all three. With one eye, right? Is that what that means? Like, it, yeah. Like when you read it, it's like, 
oh, they have a very similar flow. They mm-hmm. have very similar counts. A lot of the stories are in all three of them. Right. Mark gets there a little quicker. Yeah, he's very he's a very concise author. Fits which, Peter's personality. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. which is fitting. Um, John, I have always viewed it as like, and this is just me, I have always viewed it as like he fills in the gaps mm-hmm. of uh, things that he also feels like are important or like right. weren't stressed enough. Mm-hmm. Isn't he the last one to to write his? Yes, that's yeah. the understanding of yep. like the the timing of the authorship. He was the last to die. I mean, ninety eighty ish was right. when he passed away. So I feel like his was almost like at a place where people had read the other gospels mm-hmm. and maybe there were confusion about some of the stories. And so like even in, I think his is the only count of the feeding of 5,000 where it says like they collected 12 baskets of the fragments of the five loaves. So he like clarified, very clear. He's very clear where where the fragments come from. Yeah. So that's kind of how I see John's gospel of like, there are important things that, that the others missed or that I would like to clarify. And so it's, it's important that he, this was in all four. Yeah. And you also find stuff in John that isn't in the other gospels, as you mentioned, like the, yeah, the mirror, the wedding feast at Cana, for mm-hmm. example, it, which is fascinating because of how he ends John, I'm kind of reiterating your point, but it, like the end of John is if we were to write all of the miracles that Jesus did, all the books in the world couldn't contain everything, How cool is that? you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just think that that kind of reinforces your point. John himself <laughs> it reinforces that point. So. Actually, I want to touch on that too, because in the book of John, like he references the signs a lot Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily with like good connotations. Like he'd be like, they followed him for the signs. And a lot of the, a lot of the times when Mark, when John is emphasizing like the miracles that Jesus did and the signs he did, it's because the signs are supposed to point to a spiritual reality. Mm -hmm. And so when he's saying like, they followed, they followed Jesus for the signs which it says in in this passage in the feeding of the 5000 it's almost like he's saying they don't understand the spiritual reality right. they just see the cool thing he just did right exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah. i feel like that kind of goes to what you were what right. you were saying yeah he's like a cooler father mike schmitz right yeah, yeah. he's like one yeah <laughs> but like you you can't fit all of the miracles he did into all of the books of the world because right. he did so many but but then that also makes it important like what are the miracles then that are included in scripture right so when you look at you know the healing of the paralytic what's the hidden reality when you look at the cleansing of the leper like what's the hidden spiritual right. reality mm-hmm. um we're supposed to read those things so it's not just feeding of the 5000 oh he was compassionate it's like yes he was right. but there is a sp- a deeper spiritual reality that's supposed to make a difference in our lives. I think, I don't know. I I see a lot of our temptation today to do the same thing. Like we follow people, we follow celebrities, we follow personalities because we like what they say. Any random Catholic speaker, if you want, uh, for example, and that's, I don't mean that to be an insult. It's just, we go to their things. We listen to all their things, whatever they put out, we love it. But is it bearing fruit in our lives? Is it making a difference? Are we latching on to those greater spiritual realities? Mm-hmm. I don't know. With Jesus, it should be even more so because it's also- It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. And accompanied by miracles and such. 
But I, I don't know. I think we still fall in that same trap even today. No, I would agree. One thing I've actually heard multiple times and sadly from a homily, I think you were the one who actually heard the homily and you told me about it later, um, kind of gets at like we're missing the deeper reality. Uh, so there's an understanding that basically this miracle of a feeding of 5,000 was not a miracle of multiplication, mm-hmm. but it was a miracle of sharing. And you kind of alluded to this yes. earlier. Yeah, I did. That was a very awkward way to begin this episode. And I'm sure people were like, uh-oh. Uh, yeah, we're getting <laughs> yeah. into it. So you're right, Kara. It was a retreat that I, I led um, one time. There was a the, the priest in, uh, opened it up for a Q&A afterwards. And the retreat had nothing to do with this passage of scripture, but mm-hmm. somehow it came up. And he proceeded to tell everybody that, the miracle of John 6 was that everybody shared their food. Hmm. They were so inspired by that boy sharing his boxed lunch. Yeah. Which for whatever reason was how many loaves of breads? Bread? Five. Five loaves mm-hmm. and two fish, as mm-hmm. I recall. That is a weird lunch, first yeah. of all. Uh, secondly, they were so moved by his willingness to share that they too shared. So the, <laughs> the, the real miracle... <laughs> Of that was that everybody shared. Now we both have children. Mm-hmm. It is a miracle if they share. Sure, yeah, I guess. But that is not the miracle. No. So we're going to read the passage. So you're going to be able to hear what we're talking about if you're not familiar. Um, we'll read the one from John 6. But like I said, it's in every single uh, every mm-hmm. single gospel. But yeah, this idea basically is like you're going to hear about this, this boy who had five loaves. Um, the idea is like everyone was so moved that like magically they just came forward with all of this food that they also had brought and were like hiding and hoarding. It says this nowhere in this passage. Right. So I find it hilarious. That it's like, oh, it's a miracle of sharing. It's like nowhere is that said. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we have five loaves, two fish. So I'm glad that John clarifies that at the yeah. end of this passage. Yeah, so for sure. I'm going to let Fred read it. We're in John 6 if anyone wants John to follow along. John 6, 1 through 14 to be exact. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a multitude followed him, because they saw the signs which he did on those who were diseased. Jesus went up into the hills, and there sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a multitude was coming to him, Jesus said to Philip, How are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? This he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in this place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign which he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. 
Okay, so within that passage, Fred, what stands out to you? What stands out to me? Yeah, what stands out? Like we're going to like Lexio this passage. Not necessarily, but just like what stood out to you? What stands out to me, it's not necessarily the theological point of this discussion. Mm -hmm. And it may sound like I'm drawing from that bad example of the priest, but I'm actually not. And so stick with me. I I noticed like Andrew says, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? I think oftentimes the Lord... We, we feel like we don't have enough, and yet the Lord can still use it. Right. That little bit, that barely nothing, was all he needed, and it was enough. And that speaks to the miracle, because that isn't enough. And yet the Lord makes it enough, and not because people were inspired to share. Oh, I like that. The Lord takes what is little and makes it much. Yeah. Uh, I think for me it was, well, there were there were a couple things, but initially when I first read it, it was like, he asked Philip this question, how are we going to feed them? And then it says he asked them to test right. him. Right. That stands out too. Yeah. But for me, it's kind of related to the other point yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, I like it because scripture says, do not put the Lord your God to the test, but it never says that he can't put you to the test. And he does. And he does. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. And I've seen this in my own life. Like he can place things in front of you and be like, are you going to go this route or are you going to like, you know, trust in me? Um, so I like that. And it's funny because he already knows the answer. Like it says, Mm -hmm. he knows exactly what he's going to do, but he said this to test him. So I like that. Kara, that is James 113, because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. Oh, so there we go. So Philip must be (laughs) pretty strong. (laughs) Yeah, I would think. Um, I also like going back to what we had talked about. Um, I like the clarification here that John gives because it's that he literally says like, you know, Jesus asks them to go and, and pick up the fragments left. And then he says he picked up 12 baskets from the five loaves. So mm. it makes me wonder, like, was there some dissension about like, oh, it was a miracle of sharing that early on in the church mm-hmm. to where he needed to add that clarification. Um, so it comes for us too. like this was this was a miracle. Um, yeah, from Jesus's compassion, but like, there's more to it. Yeah. Even, I don't know. It's even interesting that it's 12 baskets, which that's a number that's associated with the priesthood itself. Yeah. Well, and that's actually a number that comes up often in the new Testament, but we talked in the last episode about the manna and Mm -hmm. in the moment in the desert, when there, when there was the manna, like they were Israel and Israel had 12 tribes. Right. And so here it's. They're no longer 12 tribes at this point. Like they mm-hmm. haven't been for, for generations and generations. Right. Yeah. Basically there were only two Kings, David and Solomon, who were Kings over the 12 tribes. Everything else was split 10 and two. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's Jesus. And, and like, even just in the smallest way of this passage, they collected 12 baskets. It might seem so insignificant. It's like, eh, that's a reach there. You know, Kara, right. Fred, that's a reach. But when you have uh, um, that ear to hear the connections of the Old Testament, mm. no, it's not. Because the Savior, the Anointed One, was seen as somebody who was going to come and restore the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm. So here, in a way, it's pointing to the bread will be a part of that restoration. Right. And it is in the church today. Yeah. It's We are one body in the church, and we are one body united 
in our reception of the Eucharist mm-hmm. um, that brings together all the 12 tribes as well as the Gentiles and other nations, mm-hmm. just and like it, scripture says. And it was more than enough. Exactly. Is yeah. it not more than enough every single day when we right. want to go and receive it? Yeah. Yeah. So looking at it then with more than just the like apparent, oh, he had compassion and he fed them um, because that's really too like it's it's a physical hunger and he's meeting the need. But also if we can't take it the step further, it's like, yeah, but they were also spiritually hungry right. and we are still spiritually hungry for something. And that's going to come in in later in John six as we kind of continue with this this same chapter. But there are Eucharistic undertones. Mm hmm. So I want to talk a little bit more about um, how this can kind of point to the Eucharist. John is honestly like a brilliant writer. He's very, in my opinion, he's very difficult <laughs> sometimes to understand. But like the order and the the way that he includes things, like kind of breaking off of, of John 6 for a second here. Even looking at just like John chapter 1 into John chapter 2. Like the idea behind some of the things that he puts... If you read through John, it's like in the next day, in the next day, in right. the next day. And then when it starts on John 2, which is the the wedding feast at Cana, it says three days later. So like when you add them all up, it's like day seven. But as you read it, it's mm-hmm. giving undertones of Genesis. Like right. that's intentional. From from literally the beginning. Yes. In the beginning was, was the, the word. word. There's and, yes. a reason he's doing that. Exactly. So like he's a very, very brilliant writer. So it's not a coincidence that the feeding of the 5,000 comes in the exact same chapter right before, well, we do have, you know, Jesus walking on water, but right before the bread of life discourse, mm. I am the bread of life. Right. Um, it's not a coincidence in John's order. So we have to look at it too from this context of the bread of life. I am the bread come down from heaven and all of these things, which is Eucharistic. So um, in John, just in general, when John mentions bread, uh, there, sh- there should be something that we look at in- from a spiritual light. Mm. Like that's just a common theme in his gospel. Um, you see this too in John chapter four, I think is the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Is that John four? It is John four, okay. yes. We see that it, it, with the woman at the well, when he is talking about um, food, that's the last mention before this of, of Jesus talking about food. And he says, I have food of which you do not know. So Jesus is... Even Jesus himself even points out that like food is not merely physical food. Right. And we have scripture itself that says man shall not live by bread Bread alone. alone. It's pointing to like there's a spiritual food that you need. There's a spiritual food that's needed, a spiritual hunger that must be satisfied. I was teasing the the kids the other day. I told them to clean up the living room multiple times Mm -hmm. and they, they weren't doing it. And so finally I said, be like Jesus who said... And they were hungry. They wanted a snack. Okay, yeah. so let me back up. They wanted a snack. And Kara, you know, kids, especially the kids that they eat, either your kids or my kids, especially when they're together. Yeah, we just ate. Can we have another snack? Twenty four seven. I feel like. And I said, no, not until the living room's clean. Mm-hmm. First of all, we just ate. Second of all, no, you're not living- listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I said, be like Jesus, who said, my food is to do the will of my Father, and your Father is asking <laughs> you to clean up this living room. But it's kind it's of the, such a holy approach. <laughs> like, do what I ask, please. It worked. It worked. I wish that would have been the not the fourteenth time I said it, yeah. but the first. But anyway, next time. Um, but I think that also kind of speaks to like that is also the spiritual food that we need, not just uh, the physical bread, mm-hmm. which is what these people were 
satisfied with. Right. But he was trying to point them to a greater reality. Right. Exactly. Um, I think it also like you made this point actually in the last episode where we were talking about the manna in the desert, how it wasn't just the manna as bread, but also in the evening they received quail. Mm -hmm. So they talk about um, it's bread and flesh. Mm -hmm. That can't be lost on us here either, that it's five loaves of bread and two fish. Right. So it is bread and flesh. Isn't that also at mass? Bread yeah. becomes flesh. Absolutely. That that connection cannot be lost on us. Yeah. It has undertones to the manna of the Old Testament, but also to our mass. Right. And going back to this, the idea of spiritual food as well, I think this is why the church in Dei Verbum, I'll geek out on a church document real quick, <laughs> but it talks about the word being how Christ is present at mass is in the Eucharist, but also in the word itself. Yeah. And it, it says that care should be taken in the handing on of the word, the receiving of the word, so that not one single word should fall from the table Mm -hmm. as if it was a crumb or a scrap. Right. Like, again, that's speaking to that spiritual food here. Yeah. In my opinion, here's like the, the biggest scriptural connection. So I don't think it can be argued that the Last Supper has Eucharistic undertones. Right. It's the institution of the Eucharist. Right. Right. So we're obviously going to get to that uh, later in this series, as Mm -hmm. this is a series about the Eucharist. That makes a lot of sense. But when you read the Last Supper, um, there this should sound familiar, just like the order. So I mentioned that this account is in all four of the Gospels. So you might not pick up on it as much in the Gospel of John, um, because he uses different words, and there are some sentences in between the words. But in the Gospel of Matthew, I think it's easier to pick up on. So the Gospel of Matthew, it's in chapter fourteen. It reads, "Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke." and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples then gave them to the crowds. So in the Gospel of Matthew at um, at the institution of the Eucharist at the Last Supper, it's in chapter 26, he uses the exact same words. Matthew literally writes the exact same words in the exact same order mm-hmm. from the feeding of the 5,000 miracle. It says, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples. So mm. I I think like naturally the authors, and John does this very clearly, but he's not the only author. Um, I think John is known more as the sacramental book. Like mm-hmm. we can see a lot of, of the hidden mysteries in the signs, but all of them have this intention and you see it very clearly in Matthew because these words from the institution are the same words. Like yeah. that should sound familiar. It's the same words that the priest speaks. It's first Corinthians 10. It's Paul's own words yeah. that are used in, in every mass. Yeah. He took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it. Mm-hmm. It's first Corinthians 10 as well. Exactly. Prayed at every mass. Exactly. Yeah. So there are definitely, um, definitely Eucharistic undertones. And this one's more of just like a passing comment because it's not in every passage either. Um, But it says when it was evening, both of them say when it was evening, like this was, it wasn't a common thing for like Jews to just eat in the evening, like Mm. well into the, well into the night. This was not, Mm. this was not a common thing, but it happened both at the feeding of the 5,000. And then this is in Matthew's account. And at the Last Supper, Mm -hmm. it was evening. So it's supposed to remind you of past accounts. Like scripture does this all the time where one little phrase, if we have the ear for it, is like, oh, that was like that account. Like that was like, yeah, that's on purpose because the Holy Spirit is also the author of scripture. And he had an intention behind 
when things happen, what are what's mentioned in the Bible and what it's supposed to bring to mind. Yeah. And it's supposed to bring to mind, oh, that's like the miracle of feeding 5,000. You right. know, stuff like that's yeah. like the Last Supper. Yeah. He loves numbers and patterns yes. and all those things. Yes. Uh, I'm. This is speculation, but when, when you pointed out the evening thing, because you're right, I actually never noticed that before, mm-hmm. but you're right. But you mentioned John being very beginning focused in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. If you if you look at scripture, especially Genesis, what's the structure of the day, evening, mm-hmm. and the morning? So, like in Jewish thought in that time, especially the evening was actually the start of the new day. Mm-hmm. The evenings in the day was the latter part of it. Right. So I don't know. It kind of speaks to hey, I'm doing something new here. Right. It's a new day. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It just kind of stands out. That's purely speculation, but it stands out to me. No, I like it. Uh, Lastly, um, this isn't necessarily the Eucharistic undertones. This is just something I think that stood out to me, too, was before G- uh, Jesus instructs them to go and pick up the fragments, uh, it specifically says in John's gospel, they ate their fill. So we easily read that just face value, like, oh, everyone was stuffed. Mm-hmm. Um how nice from five loaves, five, over 5,000 people were stuffed. I think um, I tried to do a little bit of, of a prayer and like Lexio with this as I was preparing for this. And I think like something that's, that that stood out to me, like I just kept staring at those words. They ate their fill. Um, I took this as and this was just like fruit of prayer. So th- don't take this as, you know, scholarly teaching to, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is just I think this what the Lord the wanted the future St. Kara of Humboldt speaking. <laughs> yes, you can quote me. I said, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um yeah, I feel like the thing that he wanted me to get from just like hearing they ate their fill was like, aren't there so many things that we just like get fat from? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Not actually physically fat. Oh, I have, but that's okay. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you looked at me when you said that I and did, I felt you, convicted. <laughs> I did not. Um, you can you can get fat off of food. Okay, sure. Like, let's be honest. But also sin. Um, there's vanity, money, material things. Like, you can just, let's go online shopping. Right. You don't have to go anywhere except your couch. Like, we can be filled up by the things of the world that we think are going to fill us up. Mm-hmm. I actually just saw um, a video of Shia LaBeouf, actually. It was uh, him doing his, like, a promotion on the Padre Pio movie. I want to see that movie, I do by too. the way. I do, too. I don't care anyone's thoughts on people or right, celebrities. I, yeah. I think it's going to be a beautiful movie. Anyways, he was talking about how, like, apart from God, all you're ever pursuing is uh, pleasure, like money, power, sexual desire. And like, mm-hmm. once you attain what you thought was going to make you happy, it's like, oh yeah, but now there's something else. Now I want this much. Now I right. want, you know, and you're always like, you're always reaching and thinking mm-hmm. you want more. I think the same is true for just getting fat off of something. Like it's like, oh, I, w- I want a new pair of jeans. Let me go online shopping. Oh, I need a new pair of shoes to go mm-hmm. with my jeans or, you know, you name it, whatever that next thing is. Like it's so easy in today's world to like get fat off of it yeah entertainment and hobbies can be that i think i was alluding to this this exact point when i was thinking about we follow this teacher and this teacher and Mm -hmm. we consume this catholic media yeah speaker i think oftentimes we do the same thing we get fat on like it becomes catholic entertainment we get fat on you know so and so right but we don't do anything with it we don't We don't do the miracle of sharing, Kara. (laughs) We don't share what we have been given. And yet Jesus says, freely you have been given, freely give, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know, there's some conviction in that. 
Yeah. Just looking at it from the spiritual side, it's like, that's exactly what's happening here. It says, and they ate their fill. But it's so easy to see that very clearly they ate their fill of the physical world, the physical bread and the fish. But as we'll see in the next chapter or the next part of John 6, they did not get their fill of what mattered. They didn't get their fill of Jesus, who is the giver of the fish and the bread. Yeah. And I think it leads to them looking at Jesus more in what he can do for them yeah rather than who Who he he is is. exactly yeah so we're going to get more into that um in our next episode as we really dive into the bread of life discourse in john 6.